Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of influencer marketing and branded content agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Eric Anderson of Arts and Drafts Editing. Eric specializes in editing, book development, and writing coaching services and has worked with hundreds of authors over the last decade. From concept to query letter, Eric helps authors develop their ideas, find their niche, and edit their work to make it ready to publish. His clients have included publishing companies, executives of international corporations, Harvard PhD students, and internet marketing specialists. And the reason I asked him to join our podcast today is he frequently works with entrepreneurs and business executives to help their brands get a very unique sales edge as published authors. Publishing a book can help lend authority to your brand, but there are a lot of mistakes you can make along the way. We'll learn what's worked from Eric's experience, what maybe could be avoided, and where people are missing the mark. Eric, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So happy to have you here. And I know you and I met because I was interviewing someone else who suggested I speak with you about my own book. And we started having a conversation and I realized your advice is so valuable that I wanted to make sure that we could share it to all of our listeners. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. So can you start off by telling us a little bit more about you and what got you to where you are editing today? Well, way back in college, I was studying art history and studio art, and I was doing a lot of tutoring for other students. Um, and studio art doesn't really sound like it's going to lead it to editing, but it's amazing the crossovers because we would sit down with a piece of art that we made and critique each other's work in a circle and try and make everything better. You know, you're trying to bring forth what works about a piece of art, what doesn't work about a piece of art, and you know, let the person grow and develop their skills into something more the next time they make something. That really translates into editing. It, it doesn't necessarily fix your commas and your grammar, but it really works for that structural stuff, that big, uh, those ideas that you want to pull out, and wrestle with, and get them on the page in the clearest way you can. Okay. What led you into editing now? I mean, that starting off in studio arts and getting into publishing? Did you start writing for yourself? Did you just start working with other people to correct their writing and editing? Uh, a little of both. Uh, and then out of grad school, I got hired by a publishing company. So I worked in the office for a while uh, and then made the transition to editing. It, it, it was a better fit for me than desk work uh, and it allowed me to travel a bit and, and my family moved across the country and so it just allowed that sort of freedom. Uh, I went back to school for a project management degree and uh, that really helped to set everything in motion um, and then you get some long-standing clients like our mutual friend and and away you go that's awesome that's really great and so typically when you're working with someone how do you even start a project or if we even dial it back further how does someone start writing a book mm, what is the best way question. to go about that yeah some people just have it in them some people can't help but sit down and everything flows out of their fingertips and that's great. So you can have someone come down and, and write a full book and then come to an editor and say, what can I do with this? Can we clean it up a little bit? And that's one way to do it. 
other people sit down at the keyboard and they have a great idea and they can't get it out. So that's where writing coaches come in, where they can sit down with you and say, okay, what's your idea? And now let's see if we can break it down into segments so that we can start writing each piece of it. And once you start getting one word on the page, then the next word's a lot easier. And with the right help, you can get the structure to make it coherent and to make it engaging and so that the final product really doesn't show that you don't know how to write a book. It seems professional and it seems wonderful and everybody loves it. So you're really helping people come up with almost chapter outlines so that you have a topic that you'd be addressing instead of sitting here going, oh my God, I have to write 50,000 plus words. What am I going to put on paper? Exactly. that, And that could be terribly daunting because that's a huge amount of work. So once you break it down into you know, maybe 10 essays, you think back to high school, you could write a 10-page essay on a topic in a heartbeat. Once you're doing those 10 times in a row, then you suddenly have a book. And then do you think blogging has helped more people become authors now because they're so used to doing that essay format? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Writing can be a, a bit of a brick wall. Once you get through it, everything's fine. So blogging gives you that informal way of getting your thoughts on the page, and it doesn't have any repercussions. You know, there's no one to say, well, this is terrible or this is great. You can just start writing, and that's the biggest hurdle. Uh, once you can do that, then we can start tweaking it into something that's great. Okay. So you can help people either when they've had the idea, they flushed it out, and they're saying, ah, I just need a cleanup help. Or from day one, before a single word is written, someone like you would come in and do the coaching. Absolutely. So there's a couple of ways to do that. Some people like a real strong structure. And so I have a lot of uh, documents and, and help that we can we can go through an idea and really structure it out. If you want a formal, you know, deadline system and things to check off a list, or we can sit down, we can each get a beer, we can get on Skype and, you know, just talk about it, get excited about your idea, see what comes out of it, work through it that way. And then once you get that excitement, then sitting down at the keyboard is much easier. And that call goes long, then maybe it's two or three beers. It could be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the ideas truly start flowing. Exactly. And that's a success, really. You know. Right. That's awesome. Okay. So you do this. You get the book written and then and edited. Then what? What does someone do? Mm -hmm. We're living in a funny time right now because traditionally you would have to clean up the work and then pitch it to an agent who would then pitch it to a traditional publisher. But now we have self-publishing, which has completely changed the game. So anyone can write and publish a book, and that's great. It's the democratization of publishing, but it also means that anyone can write a book, and it doesn't right. matter what goes into it. So the next step can be anything from trying to get an agent and trying to pitch it that way um, to putting it on Amazon and you know putting it on Kindle and see what happens. Um, Is one better than the other? I wouldn't say one's better than the other. Certainly, if you're Michelle Obama or Bill Gates, you don't need to go on Amazon and pitch your own book. But for someone without name recognition, it's a great way of getting out there. Suddenly, you have a book that lends authority to whatever it is you're writing about. Um, it, it makes you an expert in the field to the person looking at your website or your, or your book, regardless of whether or not you actually are an expert in the field. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, even on this podcast, 
there have been times where I've met people who wanted to be on the podcast. And they're like, I've written a book. I'm like, oh, you must have some valuable information to share because you wrote a book. And then I start digging in and I'm like, hmm, I can't find any valuable information whatsoever. I don't think you can be on here, but I don't know how you managed to write a book. Right. And that great segue is where an editor comes in because since anybody can write a book, the quality is so much more important because on Amazon and other systems like that, what is going to sell your book are the reviews. And so they've really clamped down in the last few years. You can't pay people to write reviews for you. You can't have all your friends and family do it. They find out about that. They, they clamped down on that. So you're, you're stuck in the system of trying to get reviews from strangers that have read your book before anyone has bought your book. So editing is the greatest way to do that. If, if you have a book that is littered with typos, somebody's going to see the look inside or open the first page and it looks awful, they're not going to buy your book. The best thing you can do is clean it up. Um, but even before that, writing with somebody as a writing coach to make sure that those ideas are structured and that you're actually saying things, that means that your book actually has that gravitas and is just full of nothing. Right. And it's amazing how people can make air into nothing in written oh, words. Absolutely. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> people like to talk. People like to write. Yeah. And so do you find that, you know, when you're looking at the literary agent route versus a self-publishing route, you still can get really good quality in the self-publishing route? Oh, absolutely. You can get just as good quality, particularly if you're willing to go through all of the steps that a traditional publisher would. They have a, you know, a regimented system for making sure that their books represent the company in the best possible way. If you're willing to go through those steps as well, you can make an amazing product. And then it's just a matter of selling it. What are some of those steps? <laughs> well, editing, <laughs> you know, as I said, making sure that the structure of it is, is good and that your content right. is good and that it's cleaned up. Hiring a graphic designer to do the cover, making mm -hmm. sure that you have some sort of marketing basis for how to promote it. Um, and it, it becomes almost a small business onto its own if, if you want it to be. Have you seen people be more successful when they figure out how to start booking themselves on radio and podcasts and different ways of promoting their book? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you can go a couple of routes with that. You can, you can have a pile of books in the trunk of your car and everywhere you go, you're trying to hawk them to everyone you talk to. Um, but the internet obviously allows a much more sophisticated way of selling your book. So people have websites and they have active Twitter and Instagram pages and, and uh, they they use their network to really try and spread out that word. So you really have to create a side hustle if you're going to be a book author. Yes, with one proviso. So that's one way of doing a book. If you're, I don't want to say if you're a nobody, but if you don't have the, rain, the name recognition so far, then you write a book and you're trying to get it out there. Um, that can be a real uphill battle and you need some savvy marketing smarts to do that. The other way that people use books now, which is really exciting, is as almost a calling card for their own business. So if they're a freelance professional, say uh, a consultant for company or um, a, uh, a public speaker, they can use a book as, um, as a way to lend themselves gravitas when they're speaking to people. If you have a ballroom full of a thousand people and each one gets a book or you have your book for sale, then that can really 
add to everything that you're saying. As a, uh, as a consultant, you can use a book as part of your marketing funnel. So in your website, you can have the book offered for cheap or even free as a way to get those email addresses onto your email list so that they can start selling your consulting services. So it can open up a whole range of things. Once somebody sees on your website that you have a book, they say, oh, this person must know what they're talking about. So I'm going to be much more liable to hire them as a consultant. Can you prove that? You promise? I'm kidding. <laughs> I can. Our mutual friend, that's exactly how he does it. It's, that's uh, how he gets all of his business. It's, it's a good step, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I think all of us give more credo, basically, to individuals who have actually published and gone through this. And we all know that it seems like an insurmountable task to actually write a book. So if someone's done that, or, oh my gosh, they've written seven or nine or 11, like some people oh, yeah. have done, <laughs> then they're just this unbelievable wealth of knowledge and information. So it does certainly plus one up in other advice. And it's, and again, it's this weird time that we're in where being a book author still has the gravitas that it used to when it was only traditional publishing, but it also has the accessibility of self-publishing when anybody can do it. So you're really jumping up and, and sort of leaning on social expectations of what it means to be an author. Right. When you're working with authors, do you try to manage their expectations on how much money they're actually going to make from writing a book? Absolutely. That can be a really difficult uh, topic. It's different for a consultant or a, a public speaker who has a ready-made audience. For someone writing fiction, it can be a real uphill battle. So if you you think you have the greatest idea ever and anybody around you will tell you that it's the best, your parents, your friends will tell you that it's the greatest story they've ever read. But self-publishing can be expensive and it can be hard to sell enough books to pay yourself back, let alone make a lot of money. Um, and that that's one of the problems in the industry right now is that some companies prey on those expectations and so they offer you know uh, offer to do a, a movie trailer out of your book in hopes of teasing you into thinking that it's going to be the next hollywood blockbuster yeah when in reality that's probably not going to happen but people pay a lot of money for that and there's a lot of broken dreams i think out there yeah i mean i get a lot of you know unsolicited emails shockingly not that anyone else gets that at all well there's a ton that come in where it's we'll write your book for you we'll ghostwrite it for you we'll build this out for you and we'll create a whole marketing package you know rates start are at fifteen thousand twenty five thousand and it goes it scales very very quickly mm -hmm. and some of those are legitimate there are companies okay. out there that will like I was saying with grabbing a beer, they'll do that in a much more structured way for a lot more money and take your ideas and, and you know, they'll do an interview process and then turn that into a book for you. It's not exactly ghostwriting because they are your ideas that come out through your interview, but it's not, you're never touching the keyboard. And that's a legitimate way to go about it if, if it makes sense for you. If money's not an option or not a, not a impediment, then great you know you're still getting a book it's still your own uh, but there are a lot of other companies out there that will prey on you for those hopes and dreams 
Well, to be fair, James Patterson no longer writes his own books. No, he does not have to. (laughs) No, he sketches his ideas on a piece of paper in pen, and then he gives them to someone, and voila, a book is born. Mm -hmm. I don't want to comment necessarily on the quality of the books that came out of that process, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, but it's doable. It is doable. Okay. And then if you don't go the self-publishing route, you go a literary agent route, what should someone expect? And and how do they actually even start going down that line? Mm -hmm. Finding a literary agent can be tough because they have to accept you. Basically, they're putting themselves on the line to say, I'm going to represent your book. Mm -hmm. So the more professional you can be, the, the more polished your book is beforehand, the better off you're going to be. So it's a matter of writing query letters. It's about saying, here's the best version of my book. What do you think? And it's also about being able to handle a lot of rejection. Okay. So you write the query letter and you start submitting. Absolutely. And okay. a good a good literary agent will guide you through that whole process. And if they haven't been in the game first too long to be burnt out, they'll they'll sort of reach out and help those that feel like maybe they aren't going to take them on as a client, but they can help them push them to somebody else or, or right. give them a little push in the right direction. But the, again, the cleaner and the more professional your product can be when you're presenting yourself, the more likely you are to be picked up. Right, because you really only have one chance to give a first impression. Absolutely. Okay. And so what are some of the other changes? You know, we've talked about self-publishing. You know, you you put it out there. There's now things like on Amazon um, that you you can literally have your book printed upon purchase. You don't have a stockpile of books sitting in your garage and someone goes on and they order your book and they don't get it in two days time. Maybe it's a few more days because it actually has to print now, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is fantastic in a lot of ways, but there are downsides as well. So it's called print on demand and most self-publishing companies use that now because no one wants to pay for a hundred thousand books to sit in your living room in boxes. Um, So again, if you're Michelle Obama, that's not an issue for you. For the rest of us, it's an amazing invention. So there's a, there's a huge facility in Tennessee and, and others around the world that you go on Amazon, you buy the book, it gets printed and shipped out, and you would never know the difference. The author gets a cut of that, the publisher gets a cut of that, and the printer gets a cut of that, but the author or the customer never sees all of that background. Again, the benefit is you don't have to buy 100,000 books. The downside is that the printing itself costs a lot more. So when you're printing 100,000 books in China, maybe they're a penny a book, but you can pay 15 or $20 per printing job when it's print on demand. And so as an author, your margins of profit get squeezed out and squeezed out to make it affordable compared to those other authors that are printing 100,000 copies at a time. You need to keep the price low, but you can really see where that starts to impede on your ability to make money at the, the whole process. Right. And then you can also do Amazon with Kindle, and then you're not printing at all, and it's just an ebook. And that's fantastic because that's almost entirely profit. Um, you're not selling the book for twenty or thirty dollars; you're selling it for two or three dollars. So people can see it and say, "Well, that's no investment at all. You know, I can buy five of these today, and if four of them are terrible, no big deal." Uh, and that's that's a lot of uh, how self-published authors are getting money in these days because they make almost entirely the entire 
you know, the entire sale off of that. Okay. And it's just because the net is so much greater. It doesn't matter that um, overall the purchase price is so much lower. You're just getting to eat almost all of it instead of giving it away. Exactly. Or giving it away in exchange for a marketing funnel, as I said before. Right. Which if you get a client, depending on what that marketing funnel leads to, could be tens of thousands of dollars, depending on your right. brand, or at least $10. Right. Okay. And as a digital product, it doesn't cost you anything. If you give it away to 10,000 people and get one $10,000 client out of it, it doesn't cost you any more than if you've given it away once. Right. And you still have the prestige of being able to say that you're a published author. Exactly. And right. if 10,000 people have it, so much the better. So where do you think this is going? Where do you think book writing is going? I mean, you have crazy amounts of the written word on the internet now, right? And like when I was writing my book, I did it as almost a, in, in hindsight, because I had just written so much blog content that I'm like, oh, I have all this blog content. Let me lay it out. Let me see where the holes are that I need to address, which just meant that I wrote more blog content, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, putting it together in forms of chapters and polishing it and bridging it and tying it all up with a pretty bow you know, that's not stopping, right? That's something that's just going to increase right now. That's exactly what Andy Weir did with The Martian. It, okay. He started that story as a series of blog posts. People loved it. He got a huge following out of it, decided to publish a book, and then suddenly it's a massive movie with Matt Damon. So it does happen. It's not unheard of. As far as where it's going now, I think we are going to see a lot more of that. And it's a good thing. The, the cream rises to the top. The people that put the work in and the people that get the following and, and really make it a professional product will, will be noticed. And the people that are just kind of throwing something together and having their cat walk on their keyboard and publishing the book, they sink to the bottom as well. So I think that's going to continue. And as long as places like Amazon continue to be uh, pretty strict about how they promote work and don't let people artificially inflate their reviews and, and that sort of thing. Right. I think this can keep going for a while. Okay. And then do you think there's any other, you know, places that the future is going to change publishing and book writing at all? That's an interesting question. I think it's, it's a little bit like record stores. We're seeing a resurgence of record stores right now. And mm -hmm. we're seeing a resurgence of brick and mortar bookstores as well, because people like to have, a physical copy in their hand. So whatever ways that the industry has to change to allow that to happen, I think that's great. You know, I don't, people are never going to stop writing books. People are never going to stop reading books. You know, the, the big scare a few years ago was that no one ever wants to pick up a book again. It's all going to be online and publishing is dead because nothing is worth anything anymore. But we've seen that really bounce back and that's not the case because there's something really different and heartwarming about cuddling up on the couch with a book as opposed to a, a Kindle or reading on a screen somehow. That's true. It's just, and just even, I'm a page turner. I'm one of those dog ear people. Mm -hmm. I, I drove my dad crazy growing up and be running over with a piece of Kleenex all the time and saying, use this instead of doing that. And I'm like, no, it's my book. I love it. Yeah. I own it. I like it. I like dog earing it. I'm not ruining it. And you know, years later, I still have the dog ears, but, um, having that in hand, you know, do you think it matters more for business books versus nonfiction books? Not, I just totally messed that one up. 
business and nonfiction books versus fiction books. I will try my language again. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's a little of both because there there is a benefit to having an ebook available for people on the go. You know, someone who's flying all the time and, and yeah. just wants to read a book on their Kindle while they're in line at the airport. But there's a, a real benefit for business books to to have the physical thing. If you're giving a speech, or if you're if you're going into to a consulting gig, or whatever your business might be, even if you are representing a company and you have it at the front desk for clients, there's something different about a, a tangible copy than than an ebook. So I think they fill different spaces. Yeah, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I'm like, oh, and the guy, of course, had written a book because you know that's everyone what happened. Yeah. <laughs> And so I'm like, oh, that book sounds so interesting. And then he plugged me. He's like, I'm giving away my book for free as an ebook right now. I'm like, oh, I actually like what he had to say. I'm going to check that out, right? Thinking that I'm getting this awesome, cool book that I'm about to download. Now, we do ebooks and, you know, at our agency, and we'll put things together. And maybe it's a 10 page, 15 page thing, little print, pretty graphics. It's kind of like just a PDF. I don't really think of it as a published book masterpiece. Right. Well, it turns out this guy, that's what he was doing. He was promoting his not so published masterpiece, which was <laughs> a total of five or seven day, uh, pages in like super big, maybe size 16 or 20 font. I mean, it was really big. And so there's such a, there's a, a difference there because now every time I hear someone saying, oh yeah, I have a free ebook. I'm like, Sure you do. You have like a couple of chapters, maybe, if that. Right, right, exactly. It's buyer beware, honestly, for things like that. It's like buying electronics on Amazon. You know, right. Uh, if the watch is two dollars, you probably want to pay more for it. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know? Yeah. A deal is too good. Exactly, exactly. If, if the deal is too good, it's probably too. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, what other advice can you give our inspiring, us inspiring, I really can't talk today, aspiring writers who are listening today on how they should go about their next steps? Mm -hmm. Well, if they haven't written anything, just start. The first word is the hardest. Carve out yourself an hour in the evening or on the weekend and just sit down. It doesn't have to be good. You can, you know, we call it the pupil craft. <laughs> Just write whatever comes to mind because you can revise it later. Just get it on the page. If you have your novel already written or your nonfiction book already written, it really pays to get a professional involved. And I'm not just plugging my, myself here, but a lot of people will say, I edited it myself. I took English in high school or university or my friend's daughter has an English degree and she looked at it for me. And those are great first steps, but really a professional editor you don't hire a jogger to be an NFL quarterback. You, right. you know, you have to get someone who has time in the industry and understands how it works and, and can really bring quality to it. And that's going to be reflected. So one, don't be, don't be hard on yourself. Make sure you just get out there and write, but two, do the steps properly so that your product can be the best it can be. As in don't be too cheap. That's the downside. Yeah. It can yeah. cost a little bit of money, but there are ways around that. You know, there are, uh, editors offer sort of quick views. You can get yeah. a, you know, just a, a quick look at it for a couple of hundred bucks, and that can be enormously helpful just to push you in the right direction. And then, yeah. then we can worry about the details later. Okay, it's worth the dollars in order to have something that your name's on, and if you're using it as your calling card, 
you definitely want it to look good because even if the people that you are gifting the book to, if they're opening it to a few pages and looking at it and that's their business reflection of you and they're seeing lots of stumbling blocks along the way, I'm assuming that your business transaction is not going to go so well. Exactly. It can really help you, but it can really hurt you too. Okay. Well, in an effort to plug you, you know, when you said you weren't trying to plug you, we do want to plug you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how can people who are listening today learn more about you and what you offer? Sure. So my website is called Arts and Drafts. So you can find me at artsanddraftsediting.com. And email is just eric with a C at artsanddraftsediting.com. Awesome. Well, Eric, that was wonderful. Is there any other advice you want to share before we sign off from our listeners today? Just keep writing. Okay. That's good enough advice. You have to start at least. Exactly. Okay. So Eric, I do want to thank you again for joining us today and giving your time and valuable knowledge that everyone can learn from today. And all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. And we will be chatting again shortly. Thanks very much. Thanks, Eric.